This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 14th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. I hope those of you who took one enjoyed your spring breaks. Now it's back to business, and my guest today is Steve Jackson, President and CEO of Hungry Howie's. Steve, as some of you may remember, was my very first guest interview following the COVID-19 lockdowns last spring. We were actually just entering week three when he joined us then to talk about the radical changes that were underway to assure the ability to safely continue doing business for both his franchisees and their teams, as well as for his corporate teams, both on the franchise and supply chain sides of his business. Well, it's been just over a year since that conversation, and Steve is back today with a tale of the tape. A look back retrospectively, as well as a look ahead at how much his business has and will continue to evolve post-COVID. I'm back in two minutes or less to talk about it all with Steve Jackson, CEO of Hungry Howie's. Franchise Today will be right back, but first a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. For many of us, these times have felt more like the pages of a best-selling fiction thriller than real life. But this is not a book, nor is it a drill. It's the real deal, and we're all continuing to wrestle with the dual impacts of coronavirus, both medical and economic, as even a year later, it continues to wreak havoc on businesses, employees, and customers. My guest today is Steve Jackson, President and CEO of Hungry Howie's. With 46 years on the front lines in pizza and franchising, more than 500 takeout and delivery restaurants in 21 states, Steve Jackson's a guy who's thought he'd seen it all. But as he'll confess to you in just a minute, these times are different than anything he's ever experienced in nearly half a century in pizza and franchising. Steve Jackson, welcome back to Franchise Today. 
Nice to be with you again, Stan. It's been, what, close to 12 months since we've talked. Be even more accurate than that, it's been exactly 12 and a half months. It was 54 weeks ago. You aired with us the 1st of April in 2020. And as I recall, we were in the beginning of the third week of the COVID coronavirus crisis. That's how long it's been. Yeah, it seems like it was the last week, Stan. I mean, we've lived through a very unprecedented year. And it's changed our businesses, it's, it's made us work harder, and it's made us work in a whole different fashion that we were ever accustomed to. And that's kind of what we want to visit today, Steve. When we visited a year ago, I believe you were at about 550 stores in 21 states. How has that changed, if at all, over the course of this past year? It really hasn't changed. We're still very close to that same number. Uh, we are finally ramping back up to start opening and have about uh, 10 or 12 stores that will open in the next 90 days. But we kind of shut down development. You know, 12 months ago when uh, this pandemic surfaced, and if we just talked two or three weeks into it, uh, we, we had our fingers uh, somewhat close to a panic button, not knowing what the future was going to hold for us. And for the first time in 47 years, we actually laid off a few people at our corporate office, mainly in the development development department, but uh, we sat back with our leadership team and uh, tried to predict what was going to happen, and obviously that was uh, very difficult to do. So we reacted to daily, weekly, and got through this past year relatively successfully. So we were talking a year ago about, literally, you were blessed by the fact that you were in a business that is so to do with takeout as compared to a large footprint that people are dining on premise. So you were in a little bit of a better place than maybe others. I think you talked about a close friend of yours that had a really, really five-star type Italian restaurant. I hope he's still around because you were worried about him at that time. Well, I was. He had actually about 25 of them and he's had a rough go. He's still around and he survived, but he pushed the panic button. I mean, that was a real challenge for anybody in that category. And blessed is exactly what we were. And, you know, the the thing about the pizza category, it is pretty doggone resilient when it comes to economic times or now, as we, for the first time, have lived through pandemic times. You know, with the way our product is packaged and the fact that we have carry-out delivery, the pizza category has been the shining star of the restaurant industry for the past 12 months. I would put chicken wings right up there with it because when the two of those sometimes go hand in hand, but it's been You're right, absolutely right. Pizza and chicken wings, food that people are used to consuming off premise. Mm-hmm. So you were pretty much in that business already, but you still had issues that you had to adjust for. And I think as you shared with me, labor was one of the, the most challenging concerns with young kids who, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old drivers or delivery people. How did that work out for you in terms of what you were concerned about with shortening hours or opening only for a single shift? Well, what happened initially, Stan, right around the time that we were talking, the world didn't know what a pandemic was going to do or the impact of it. And as you just said, we depend on a lot of young workers. So when that took place in March and early April, mom told those teenagers, you're not working, you're staying home. 
And that, that pretty much crippled our staff because we depend on a lot of them for food preparation and, you know, the assembly of the product in the locations. All of our drivers are 18 years and older, but that 16 to 24 category is the lion's share of our, our labor. So it, it really crippled some stores there for a while. The first two, three weeks of the pandemic, we saw sales decline in the 10 to 15% range. So we didn't know what the future held for us too. We didn't know as the, as the governments were shutting down states, we didn't know if we were going to get shut down next. So we just made daily and weekly decisions and have done that literally for 12 months. After those first three weeks, when I think the general public kind of had a little better grasp of what was going to happen, our sales started to skyrocket double digits, which was a blessing for us, but it was very difficult for our stores to handle the business because of the lack of the, the labor that we depended on. So we were forced into decisions of taking stores that were maybe open from 11 to 11 and reducing their hours from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. to handle the 50 to 60% of the business for dinner for our customers. And some stores had COVID outbreaks. We had fumble our way through that and decide, shut down stores, quarantine employees, employees for 14 days, move employees from one area to another area. And along with our leadership team, forced with all the challenges of ordering face masks, ordering the customer shields for the counters, having them custom made and getting them around the country. You know, the social distancing stickers for the floor so you'd reduce the amount of people coming in our lobbies. Fortunately, we had been working and had thoughts of curbside service long before the pandemic. So we kind of ramped up those efforts to give our customers the opportunity of curbside. And uh, we just made those decisions on the fly each and every week. What did you do to help your consumers, your customer base, decide that the day we're going for pizza, the day we're going to have pizza, we're going to be getting it from Hungry Howie's instead of other choices that they could make because of the safety and the trust and the belief that they have in your brand to be the trustworthy places to go? How did you instill that? Because that had to be the biggest concern I would hear about week after week in my conversations with executives is maintaining trust with the consumer and the brand was their biggest concern, of course, aside from the health and welfare of their teams. Sure. Yeah, that was definitely a challenge. I mean, fortunately, with the availability of digital marketing and social media, you're able to make some immediate impact geofenced around you know, your specific stores. But the harder part was instilling our employees who were completely over overworked, and they still are, to deal with trying to present that level of trust to our customers, you know, when you're still dealing with young people that tend to be on the immature side and, you know, don't wear their face mask correctly. So it was more about the training and education of our people to display that level of trust. But I agree with all the CEOs that you talked to. That was a big challenge. So when you look back over this year, Steve, what are the things that you've taken from this that pushed your envelope further than you'd ever gone before? You're 45 or 46 years in this business and be one of those that could say, I've just about seen it all. Mm -hmm. And then all of this hits everybody at the same time. And here's a crisis in leadership in some places, a crisis in management in others. And as you've said, in some places, just a complete reset and people hit the panic button. How did you work through that personally? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm from the old school uh, business where I believed, you know, we need to be in the office, the eight to five office hours, the face-to-face uh, -face collaboration, 
And as our as our team be, grew younger over these most recent years, I would kind of get the feedback that we don't need to be in the office every day. We can work remotely. We can do this. We can do that. Well, I learned to work remotely. I will tell you. I mean, our headquarters is in Michigan. I've been uh, fortunate enough for a number of years to have a place in Florida, and I would spend time in the uh, cold months of Michigan going back and forth to Florida. Prior to March of last year, I was in Michigan every two weeks throughout and sometimes sooner throughout the winter. And when I returned the first week of March to Florida and the shelter in place took place and this whole pandemic really started to roll into high gear, I was in Florida for 14 straight weeks because I couldn't go back. And what saved us, and we had heard about it for a long time, but I've become a major proponent of Microsoft Teams and Zoom. Since the first week of March last year, I, I think I had shared with you, our leadership team met daily for the first couple, three weeks. Well, for years, we meet every single Tuesday morning at 8.30 for a couple hours to, to discuss what's necessary. Since last March, we have not had a face-to-face -face leadership team meeting. Everything has been through Microsoft Teams. We also learned, because we sent franchise consultants around the country, we had to revamp our operations department too. And I think that by utilizing Microsoft Teams, even with the consultants, they can be more effective because for all intents and purposes, it's still face-to-face. -face. You're still looking each other in the eye and you can get so much more done as opposed to the waste of time through travel. Now, you still need true face-to-face -face occasionally, but I think we've learned that a lot can be accomplished uh, with an internet connection and cameras to talk to whoever you're talking to. What about the supply chain and the supply side of your business? You have your own network of distribution centers, if I remember correctly. How were they impacted? Oh, desperately. I mean, it was it was so hard. It was very important for us to protect our distribution centers from the viruses. We tried to lock those down just because if you had a you know a rampage of warehouse workers or truck drivers, it literally would cripple the whole chain. So we made every effort with the face mask and the disinfectant and the spraying of the trucks in the offices and doing everything to protect those people. And we've been very fortunate, knock on wood, that nothing serious happened within our distribution network. Now, aside from that part of the business, the supply chain, the cost of the products, I'll share with you, obviously, a very big part of our business is the price of mozzarella cheese. And we watch the block market, the Chicago Mercantile produces a price each and every single day, and then they average that price for a week, and that determines what the block cost will be for mozzarella cheese the following week. Well, we got into a point in time, that block cost typically has fallen historically in a $1.75 a pound range. And in the month of June last year, with all the efforts that were taking place you know, globally and throughout the country, the block mark crashed to a dollar a pound, which was the lowest price in 50 years, which for us, you know, that was a, a short, you know, small blessing for us. Mm -hmm. The price was down within three weeks. It went to $3 a pound and it stayed in that 275 plus range for 10 to 12 weeks. So that just backfired completely on us. 
with cost. You know, we live in an environment where if we're selling products at $9.99, you don't just flip a switch tomorrow. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're stuck in a marketing campaign. So so we had to eat some significant commodity costs with cheese. And, and obviously, the same thing happened with all the proteins. I mean, some of the supplies, pepperoni, almost ran out in the country because all the pizza chains increased sales. We ended up the second quarter of uh, 2020, we were up 20%. And that continued throughout the year. We ended up overall up almost 15% for 2020. And most pizza chains fell into those numbers or a little bit less than those numbers. So the supply that was out there was totally taken up along with, you probably read on some of the big protein manufacturers had virus outbreaks and they'd shut a whole plant down. So it, it was a juggling act, keeping our store supplied and finding backup products because we're we're pretty set. We've had relationships for decades. So we don't want to be buying one pepperoni this week and another pepperoni the next week or chicken wings or whatever it is. So we were fortunate enough to to not have to use many other suppliers, but there were times that we had to. And your chain has comped positively for how many years, Steve? Well, right now we've comped positively for nine years. So this was the first real threat to that, because I remember you told me when we spoke in 2020 that you were Mm -hmm. down a couple of weeks to now it's as much as 15%. So I'm sure that that weighed heavily on your heart, but it it seems like through it all, you've pulled through all of that and a whole lot more. We have the highest sales year in company history. And I think our stores wrestling with everything they did from labor and, and, and everything for customer satisfaction, most stores were probably as profitable as they've been in any past year. And though you had some corporate layoffs, all of your stores pulled through this then, correct? Yep. They all pulled through it. I mean, we we had to shut down some. We've had COVID shutdowns in the last week where it's still it's still continuing to happen. We have a lot of stores in Michigan and Florida, and the top four states with outbreaks currently are Michigan, Florida, New York, and New Jersey. So we're still dealing with the the issues of this. I told you we ended up close to 15% up for 2020. For the first 13 weeks of 2021, we're up 21.5% for for these oh, that's great. first few weeks. But we're at a real interesting point right now because of it being a little over 12 weeks. This week last year was the week that the sales started to increase significantly. So obviously the last three weeks, we've had incredible sales increases of 40, 50% because that was those weeks that dipped a bit. So now we are anxiously awaiting to see what happens from this week forward because at that time last year, we saw sales go up 20, 25%. So we only hope to be able to at least comp what we did last year at this time. And even if we're a little bit under, it still needs to be positive. I I try to recommend to our people, let's let's be careful to understand what we're copying against. And, and when you're not sure of where we're at, let's pull the 19 numbers out and compare them right. to where you're at. And you're going to be pretty darn happy. I'll so. tell you what let's do, Steve. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, I'd like to ask you to give us a heads up with lessons learned. Everything we're talking about currently has been all heads down in real time, the things that you had to do in the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm certain, though, there are some lessons learned that you can share share about some of the post-COVID changes in the playbook because of the lessons learned. And I want to talk some more about development as well. Let's take a quick break. We're talking with Steve Jackson, the president and CEO of Hungry Howie's Pizza, and we'll be right back after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. 
This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And my conversation continues with Steve Jackson, president and CEO of Hungry Howie's Pizza, talking about the COVID crisis that we've all been living with. Steve was one of my first interviews a year ago, just as lockdowns were beginning. And we're revisiting today to talk about what actually has transpired over the course of the year since he and I spoke last. When we talked last, Steve, pizza was a 3 billion pies a year business with 350 slices eaten every second someplace in the world, the average consumer ingesting 46 slices a year on average. That to me was an amazing statistic then, and I'm going to bet the number's gone up. I don't know who's reporting or keeping track of it, but in 2020, those numbers had to climb. Based on everything we've talked about, I'm sure it's true. Absolutely, Stan. My guess is it's going to be a 15 plus percent uh, increase. At least it will be in our book. And uh, those numbers, as we got into the third and fourth quarter, exceeded 20%. So, and as I had shared with you earlier, the first quarter of 2021, we're up 21.5%. So you're right, there's a lot of pizza being eaten. But you know, the one thing about pizza is it's a shareable food. Now that's kind of a double-edged sword when you think about a pandemic. Because when everybody was unsure of how this virus is going to spread, to bring a pizza home and share it with your family members, you know, we, we kind of wondered how that was going to be perceived also. But it didn't seem to hurt us. I think, you know, family kind of kept close quarters of themselves. But pizza is one of the only foods that you can gather together with friends and family. And that's not the best thing to do sometimes during a <laughs> pandemic, obviously. I can picture that. Steve, I can also picture you as we've had our conversations both last year and this one today. My mind's eye gets the picture of a war room with a major or a colonel or a general just running the war table on how we're going to fight the enemy. And that's the picture that I see in my mind's eye when I speak with you. So all of those things that we've talked about were tactical moves that you've had to make over the course of this past year to maintain and to continue growing. But I'm certain too that you've taken some strategic plans out of this tactical game and you've seen changes in your business that are 
are going to be long past COVID. What are some of those? Well, I think just the uh, the awareness of the customers wanting to be able to trust us with sanitation and product handling. I mean, one thing that we actually did immediately back then is we came out with a quality sticker that when the pizza was finished, it was a, maybe a two and a half inch sticker that would seal the box. For 47 years, we never sealed the box. Any pizza box could be opened, but we realized that that seal was probably important to customers to know that when it left that oven, it would not be broken until they opened it themselves. So little things like that with the, the training of our, our staff, we, we really look forward to the day that we get back to full staffs. I mean, what we've lived through with the administration were the, over the last year were the stimulus checks, the extended unemployment, which really... I think has de-incentivized many people from wanting to work. Even today, 12 months later, our stores are still at a critical level for staffing. So that's one area that we have to continually work hard, and that is in employee retention. Once we get employees, what can we do to make sure that we keep them? But it's so hard to attract. If you read national restaurant publications now, all the major change, you see headlines. One's hiring 10,000 people nationally. Another one's hiring 5,000 people nationally. So it's a struggle for every restaurant category. So how we're going to fight those battles in the future are yet to be determined. But uh, we're looking at uh, different strategies with the number one being retention. You know, if we get people working for us, let's keep them. So that, that's an effort that we really have to work hard at. You know, aside from that, one thing I didn't mention was the uh, contactless delivery that we had to put in place and everybody's pretty much done that. The advent of online ordering has increased significantly because of that, the the uh, the customers utilizing that part of the business. And one thing because of this, the one issue that really was a struggle for us and it still is, is answering the phone in the stores because close to 60% of our business comes online. And when you have reduced staffs, I mean, we're, we're seeing complaints that the phones aren't getting answered. So we're actually right now in the beginning stages of testing a call center where all of our calls would be routed to a call center. You know, those orders would be placed electronically. So we're, we're looking at different ways to run our business as effective as possible. And I think we've all accepted the fact that anything we can do to reduce labor hours at a store level that depend on people is going to be in the best interest of the company. We have just started utilizing in the last year these like automatic saucers where you know, you've been in pizza places where they take the spoon and they sauce it. We're, we're putting in place these units. They're about the size of a dishwasher. You put dough underneath, you push a button, and it puts the same exact pattern of sauce in every single pizza. So we're open-minded enough to do whatever we can to deliver our product and service better than we have in the past. In the time we've got left, Steve, let's take a look at franchise development, which you said you took off the table such that you were able to put 100% of your focus into the maintenance of the existing franchisees, all the families that are dependent on that from the franchisee and corporate side. What is developed? look like now? Well, we are rebuilding our development department currently. Uh, we've noticed our, our leads increasing. And as I had already said, the pizza category has been a shining star. So we look over the next couple of years as being a very interesting opportunity for growth for us. One thing that all franchisors try to acquire are multi-unit operators. These are the expert franchisees that will operate multiple brands because they understand 
how to do that. And we're hoping that we're attractive to multi-unit operators that maybe were part of a food category that wasn't successful over the last 12 months and they're looking for some diversification. So we are actually in the stages right now of recruiting a couple of staff members to rebuild that development department. And we're hoping for some uh, some interesting growth. That's what our goal is right now. We're just at the, at the beginning stages of that. We've had some people in the back wing, some current franchisees that waited over the last year. Now they're getting ready to open some stores. So we have probably 10 stores that are going to open in the next 90 days. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting those open and uh, you know satisfying customers in new areas. Steve, before I let you go, I've got to ask you if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I might have. You know, Stan, you do a good job of funneling the questions that are probably important to your listeners. And I think the last year has been such an unknown that we've been forced to deal with so many things that we never had in the past. I'm not past that point because I think next week we're still dealing with the same. I don't know that the next two, three months are going to change much more than what we've lived. Uh, when I see the COVID outbreaks and, you know, we don't know what the vaccine futures hold and the new variants of COVID that are starting to surface, uh, the most recent administration change, which the previous administration was very favorable to small business. They cut back a lot of regulations. And the current uh, administration uh, is going to probably try to reinstitute those that really handcuff small business. And we don't know what's going to happen. And we can only control what we can control. You know, if they change taxes and they change regulations, we have to live with that. It just takes our eye off the ball of what's really important and throws curveballs at us. You know, it'd be nice if, if our crystal ball could tell us what the next quarter or six months hold, but I don't think we can do that. I think we're just going to have to react as, as we're challenged. Steve, if any of those multi-unit, multi-flag operators catch wind of this interview today and want to get back in touch with you, how best to do that? Just go to our website in the franchising area, and it's pretty self-explanatory, and, and we'd look forward to uh, communicating with any of them. We think our business model is proven to even be more successful the last 12 months, and it'd be great to continue to build our brand and, and share this uh, expertise with anybody that's interested. Steve Jackson, president and CEO of Hungry Howie's Pizza, started out as a driver in 1971. Is that about right? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Well, you're an inspiration to many, and I hope many more will find you and join your team and your family. Steve, it's been a pleasure having you with us here again today. Thank you, Stan. It's uh, hard to believe it's been 12 months, and maybe we'll talk again, and it won't be that far away. I look forward to that, Steve. Thanks. Okay. I could have easily spent another 60 or 90 minutes with Steve and maybe more with all the life experiences that he has to share. But that's a wrap for today. Next week, we'll be joined by Mark Van Wy, CEO of Zoom Room, a truly one-of-a-kind dog training concept with quite a rich history and a great story to tell. Until then, please keep making great things happen for yourselves and everyone in your orbit. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best. The very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.